As we continue a sermon series that we've been in this summer on the Psalms of Ascent, uh, those are the Psalms that made up Israel's hymn book as they went on their journey, their pilgrimage of faith from their homes to Jerusalem to worship God. And so uh, if you are willing and able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Our reading today is Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sheep sleep. Behold, children are heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true, and it is given to us in love. Amen. You may be seated. We might have picked up from Dave's prayer. This really is a bittersweet Sunday uh, for Phyllis and myself, um, as it's probably the last time that we will be here with you at Christ Church in town while Arnie and Clarine are living here in Jacksonville. Um, we're very excited, though, for a number of reasons. First of all, because Arnie and Clarine's next station assignment with the Navy is in Pax River, Maryland, not far from us in Baltimore. And I've already told Phyllis when she's at work at school, I'm going to sneak and drive down to Pax River and play with the grandkids and be home before she even knows I was gone. Um, and we're just looking forward to them being close to us uh, for the next several years. But we're also very excited because this is not the end of the Warren family at Christ Church in town. I'm very excited because right about the time that Arnie and Clarine moved to Pax River, one of our other sons, who is also a Navy pilot, is going to get his wings, and he and his wife, our son Carpenter and Amanda, will be moving here uh, to Jacksonville, and they, will, they are already looking forward to being a part of Christ Church in town, so you can't get rid of us that easily. And after that one, there's another one coming that I just dropped off in Pensacola to begin flight school. So there's many more years of Warrens coming down the road to Jacksonville. And we're excited and looking forward uh, to being with you. You know, when Dave invited me to preach and he told me you were in the midst of a summer series on the Psalms of Ascent, um, I was excited that uh, my lot fell on Psalm 127. It's appropriate uh, in many ways, it's appropriate because of the theme of the, the psalm and its opening verse. The opening verse which says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Now, it's appropriate in a number of personal ways because when Arnie and Clarine first moved to Jacksonville four years ago, they were newlyweds, brand newly married and looking for a church home. And the church home they found was Christ Church in town, which was a brand new church. Arnie and Clarion were living in an apartment downtown and the church was meeting in a hotel about a half a mile away. And the Lord brought them together. And over the past almost four years now, we've had the blessing and privilege of watching the Lord by his grace flourish and grow both Arnie and Clarion's family and Christ Church in town. The Lord has indeed been at work here building a house for both our family and for his people, this church family. And yet one of the things that I'm most grateful for 
is the Abney family. Uh, Dave has become a dear friend to me. Dave and Haley have ministered so well to our family, and we just are thankful to God for them and thankful for this church. And once more, let me express to you my gratitude for the way you've loved and cared for our family. So Psalm 127, one of the Psalms of Ascent. It's, it's a psalm that can easily be divided a number of different ways, but I thought the easiest way to do it was just cut it in half. Two halves, the first of which could be entitled, Without the Lord, Frustration. And the second half, just as easily titled, With the Lord, Flourishing or Fruitfulness. Uh, anybody here from Edinburgh, Scotland? Anybody here speak Latin? If you were, or you, you do, you would know that the, the city motto for the city of Edinburgh in Scotland is taken from this first verse, the first uh, part of Psalm 127. And on their city crest, it says, Nisi Dominus Frustra, without the Lord, frustration. The Latin motto appears not only on their crest, but it's affixed to all of the city's official documents. Nisi Dominus Frustra. Without the Lord, frustration. We can think about that in so many ways in our own lives today, and particularly the lives of the people who first heard this song and sang this song. The song begins by mentioning three particular areas where we experience frustration if we do it without the Lord. They're all wise pursuits, building a house, protecting the city, and working for food. They're essential tasks for life, not only in the days when the psalm was written and sung by God's people making their way to Jerusalem, but these tasks still speak today of principles that apply to all of our lives. It's important, though, to note as we begin looking at the psalm, the psalmist is not saying that work itself is futile or in vain, that, that work is unimportant. The reality is God created us to work. God himself was a worker. God created the world, and he created us in his image and set us on earth to work. Genesis 1 uh, gives us the great creation mandate. Beginning uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we read, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God created us to be workers to work in the world that he created for us, to be productive and to live fulfilled and blessed lives. But as you know, the rest of the story, very quickly, sin entered the world. And with sin, work became what the Bible describes as painful toil. Frustrated, Adam now worked with thistles and thorns where before fruit easily grew. Work all of a sudden became filled with anxiety and stress. Now, most of us don't regularly have to deal with thistles and thorns in our day-to-day -day jobs and in our work, but we can all relate 
to anxiety in our work, anxiety and stress over trying to impress the boss, losing a client, finishing a report on time, getting a promotion at work, making the right investments, having enough for the future. We worry and stress and are filled with anxiousness. And we begin to live out the reality of verse two in our text this morning where the psalmist says, in vain you rise early and stay up late. Eating the bread of anxious toil. Eating the bread of anxious toil becomes our lot in life when we're living and working apart from the Lord. But the reality is we were created for work and we all have to work. So how will we work? How do we work? How do we build the house? How do we protect the city? How do we gather and have food to eat? Will we work nervously, constantly worried if we've done enough? Worried what others will think of us and how we've done our job. Worried that work will leave us eating the bread of anxious toil? Or will we work as the Apostle Paul commends us to in Colossians chapter 3 where he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. As I was studying Psalm 27 this week, I was reminded of many of the themes that we find in the Sermon on the Mount, in Jesus' uh, inaugural message about his kingdom, where he began to speak to his followers and speak to the people about what it would look like if we were living as citizens of his kingdom, if we were living with him. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 6 in verses 25 to 33. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. All of these things will be added to you as well. That's the rewards that God promises. That's the inheritance that is ours as his beloved, as his children, as his people. And he promises here in the psalm before us at the very end of verse 2, 
that he grants sleep to those that he loves. He promises us things like sleep and security, children in a home, the food that we need to eat. The worries and cares expressed in the beginning of the psalm, God promises to us when we rest and trust in him. And that leads us to the second half of the psalm. With the Lord, seeking after him, living in him, we flourish and find fruitfulness. Again, the end of verse 2 and through the end of the chapter, for God grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the one whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies within the gate. Now, I have to admit, sometimes scripture does make me scratch my head. God promises to give us little children. He promises we'll have sleep. I don't know how many of you have raised little kids, but those two things often seem to be in direct conflict with each other. But it should cause us to pray, right? Lord, you promised to give us sleep, and this screaming baby is keeping me from that. How about that child and me? A little bit of sleep would be nice. It's interesting because a lot of commentators see these two halves of the psalms being the psalm being so different, uh, having a disconnect, if you will, that some even say they're probably two different psalms and they just accidentally got stuck together. But they see that because they say that because they don't see these two things being of the same cloth. And we do that too, you know. We do that very often in our lives. It's one of the reasons that we work without the Lord because we compartmentalize our lives, right? We think about work as being over here in this box and family being here in this box and our life of faith being over here in another box. And when we compartmentalize and put things in a box like our work being separate from our family and our faith, We're living and working without the Lord, and it causes us to eat the bread of anxious toil. But it's easy for us to see, too, that uh, these fit together well. Throughout the Old Testament, um, it was common to speak of a family as a house, a house or a dynasty. And so when one speaks of building a house, it's natural to also think of building a family. And again, the psalm makes it clear here that without the Lord, frustration, anxiety, and fruitlessness in our efforts to build a home and a house and a family. But with the Lord, there is blessing and fruitfulness. There's a couple things to note here. Some of the translations actually say sons are a blessing from the Lord. They're a heritage and a gift. Uh, Now, there's a lot of cultural context here. When the psalm was written... uh, Oftentimes, children didn't live very long. People wanted to have a lot of kids to make sure that some of them would live to adulthood and would be there as a blessing, as a protection and a help for their family. And sons were seen as the ones who could work in the field to gather food, to help with the family business, to protect the family and to be warriors. But the world is a much different place now. And as we read this psalm, if you're reading a translation that uses that language, we shouldn't think that The psalmist is saying, well, you need to have as many kids as you can possibly have, and you better hope and pray they're all boys if you want to be blessed. The reality is uh, we are in a different world, and sons and daughters are an equally blessed gift from the Lord. And we don't have the same needs uh, for 
farmers and warriors in our homes today. Every family, though, is different. And God calls us to different things, and he gives us different gifts as he sees fit. So as you think about your own family, and you're looking to the Lord for wisdom and knowledge and knowing what that family should look like and how you should live as a family, seek his will and his guidance. Seek uh, from him the blessings that he has for you. And don't look for something beyond what you might need. But the point of the psalm here, I think, that we cannot miss is that children are a blessing from God. And when he gives us this blessing, we must raise them for his glory. The imagery that the psalmist uses is arrows in the hands of a warrior, right? What does an arrow do on its own? Can't do anything. It has to be put into a bow and it has to be shot. It has to be aimed with direction and it has to be launched. The same with our children. They have to be guided. They have to be aimed. They have to be pointed in the right direction. And God is calling us here in this psalm to raise our children for his honor and glory. And if it's a vanity to try to build a house without God as the builder, how much more foolish is it to try and raise children without him? Dave mentioned in the baptism and in his prayer, I think, how hard it is to raise kids, how hard it is to be a good parent. It's one of the hardest jobs you'll ever have. You know, as a parent, a lot of times we think we have to control our kids. We have to do everything in our power to keep them exactly where we want them so they'll do exactly what we want and be who we want them to be. Arnie is our oldest child. Uh, he was, I like to say, our guinea pig. And so he was the one that ended up hearing me ask for forgiveness more often than any of my other children because I failed so often as a father. I was learning how to parent on him, and I frequently had to ask his forgiveness, forgiveness for the way that I failed. He and I went through a particularly rough patch in our relationship when he was in college. I was trying very, very hard to control him, and I wasn't doing a very good job at controlling him or being a father. And I was very frustrated. But it was my wife and my best friends that sat me down one day and said, you are not in control. You are not going to control him. You have to trust the Lord. Now, I think what happened there was not that I gave up and somehow the Lord began to work in Arnie's life. I gave up and the Lord began to work in my life. And God began to change me and change my heart and change the way that I prayed. And as you can see, we are very grateful to God for what he has done in Arnie's life and in my life. But I also want to say that's, there's no magic formula here. You know, oftentimes we'll take a verse of scripture and we'll think, you know, bring up a child and the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. You know, and we think, boy, if we can just follow this pattern or do what is right, it's going to guarantee that our kids are going to be the people that we want them to be. But the reality is that's not the way it always happens. We can let go and let God and still see our children struggling, still see them wandering, still see them in a place where they shouldn't be. But what we're called to in this psalm is to live in trust that God is faithful, that he is a covenant God, that he does work in families, and that he will have his hand upon our children, that he will 
do the work. And so instead of eating the bread of anxious toil, what can we do? How can we raise our kids? How can we be faithful as parents to raise them with the Lord? Well, it's so important to remember that this psalm is one of the psalms of ascent. These were the psalms that Israel sang as they made their way up Mount Zion, as they traveled as families and as a community up to Jerusalem, to the temple, to worship the Lord, to go to Jerusalem for the great worship festivals. When Dave sent me a note about the sermon series, uh, he gave me this theme. Life with God is a pilgrimage, a journey to God and with God. One of the books that I've been enjoying reading, we're also looking at some of the Psalms at our church in Baltimore this summer, and I've been reading a book by Patrick Reardon called Christ in the Psalms. And as he looks at this portion of Psalm 127, he puts it this way. This customary pilgrimage was a significant way of giving a godly identity to a man's family. It was itself an exercise in edification. This word taken in its etymological sense of building or constructing an edifice. An important purpose of the pilgrimage was that of building the house. Like everything else a family does together, the regular pilgrimage was an exercise in house building. Let me say to you parents here today, bring your children along on the pilgrimage. Bring your children with you on your journey with God and to God. Bring them to worship. Set them an example as a true worshiper. Make worship a priority in your family. Trusting God to do his work in their life, in your life, and in your family's life. You know, it's very interesting that one of the only places in the scripture that we have a record or a story of people actually participating in these marches of ascent up to Jerusalem for the great worship festivals is from one of the only stories that we have in Scripture from the childhood of Jesus. When Jesus was a little boy, Luke tells us in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus and Mary and Joseph, along with their community, along with their relatives, along with their family, made the journey to Jerusalem to participate in the worship festivals of God's people. They were rooting in identity. They were living in community. They were going to worship the true and living God. And it's so interesting to think about this in light of Jesus as a child. Because the very last verse of Luke chapter 2, you know what it tells us? That Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. The child Jesus, living in a family, living in a community of faith, living with his father, being a worshiper, grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and with man. It's interesting to know that when we live like that in community, when we worship together as God's people, God works in us 
to build his kingdom, to build his church. Let me encourage you, Christ church in town, continue to trust Jesus to build his church here among you as he has promised to do. Again, in Matthew's gospel, we have that beautiful account of Jesus asking his disciples, who did people say that he was? And they answered him by saying, you know, some say Elijah, others say a prophet, others say this. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter boldly stood up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus was delighted with that answer. And he said, on this, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Jesus, you see, is the one who builds his church. Jesus is the one who does the work of his kingdom in and through us. And it's only as we are on the pilgrimage with him and allowing him to work in us and through us that we can see the kingdom of God advance in our own lives, in our family, and in our churches. I was really pleased when I got the bulletin this morning because as I thought about this psalm of ascent, as I thought about the tension of having to eat the bread of anxious toil, as I thought about what this psalm was calling us to, it made me think of a song. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Feed me till I want no more. With the Lord, there's blessing and flourishing and fruitfulness. And as we eat the bread of heaven, which Jesus said, I am the bread of life, come down from heaven. He who eats of me will never hunger. The encouragement before us today in this psalm is to set aside the bread of anxious toil and feed upon the bread of heaven till you hunger no more. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of grace and mercy, that you have done all that we need in Christ. We thank you that he is our guide, that he is our savior, and that in him we can feast upon the bread of heaven. We thank you today that we can come to the table of the Lord and feast upon him. We thank you that you have given us your word to feed our hungry souls. As we go from this place today, Lord, build us into a church and a family and a people who are living with you on a pilgrimage with you and to you that your kingdom might come here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this all in Jesus' name.